Torah of today's daf is Tzadi Chet 98. We are a little behind. We pick up at the top of Tzadi Zanim and Fat. And the current discussion is if somebody... Um, Borrow, uh, borrows money, although the Gemara didn't frame it exactly as a loan, sold something or invested in a business based on a certain amount, a dollar amount was set. And then when it comes time to pay, the, uh, um, the currency that it was borrowed at or, um, or that it was agreed upon has now changed and is no longer valid in this locale. Um, can he pay back still with that old currency? So, um, so the, or does he have to pay back with the new one? So Rob says pay back with the new one. And Shmuel says you can still pay back with the old currency because it's still uh, available somewhere. Like, you know, it's still, there's still places that are still using it. Meishan, go to Meishan and use it there. That was the currency you borrowed at. That's the thing you pay back in. And it still is legitimate. It's not completely nifsal machos. You know, it's not completely invalid in all places. But then Rav Nachman limited Shmuel because that seemed to be a little radical. Come on, it's not fair to the guy giving him back this, ba- this currency that's not so usable. And he said that's only if the guy is headed to that place. If he's headed to Meishan, then you can pay him back with that money. Okay, so we pick up with this. So five lines from the top. So Rav challenged Rav Nachman's statement, like, the, you, know, you know, contextualizing Shmuel, that if that's the way you're going, then that would still be considered legitimate currency. Um, you cannot... Uh, transfer the sanctity of Meiser Shani to money. You know, the Torah says that if you're too far away, you can transfer the sanctity to the money and bring the money to Yerushalayim. But you cannot do it to money that is not uh, currency, that is not currently... Um, there's got to be a good English word for this. What? Circulation. In circulation. Thank you. Excellent. Good money in circulation. Ketzad. How is this? Oh, wow. If you have monies from Kuzviot. Now, Kuzviot could mean like Achziv from Kiziv, which we know is the right of place. But Rashi also has a great explanation for what Kuzviot means. He says it means Ben Kuzvi. It means Bar Kochav. Bar Kochva. Okay, so if you have, and they, we know they minted money. We have coins that they minted to, you know, to the reign of Bar Kochva. You can actually see this in the museums in Eretz Yisrael. So, and they did it in Yerushalayim. So Rashi says yeah, it was, it, yeah, I know. So Rashi says it was, it was Bar Kochva currency, Jerusalem Bar Kochva currency. Okay, oh Shonim, and that fits in with the next line, or anything of earlier kings, right? So that's no longer money that's in that, that's in circulation. Ein Michal. You can't use it. Okay, that seems pretty straightforward. What's the question? The question is, Hashelachronim do need to be shown him, but it sounds like if you have current, um, you know, of current kings, even if in some way it's like past kings, what would be current kings like past kings? Meaning that these are kings right now, and these are, you know, this is gov- governments right now, but as far as you're concerned, it's not relevant. Why? Because there are some other governments and some other, you know, some other place. So it sounds like the only currency you can't use is from like past, you know, kingdoms, right? But current, but currency that exists now in the world, presumably even if it's not relevant to you, even if it's not uh, in circulation in your place, the implication would be that it would be good. If it's of the later kings, current kings, but it's similar to, to the earlier ones in the sense that it's not in currency in your location, it sounds like it is valid. So that seems to say that currency, even if it's not immediately valid, you know, you know, usable here is still valid. Um, Amarle, 
Now, of course, there could be a big difference, by the way, between the parameters of Meiser Shani and paying back a debt. You know, paying back a debt, you know, creates a certain type of an interpersonal obligation. The parameters of Meiser Shani might be enough that somewhere it's considered currency, but the Gemara assumes it's the same. So what's his response back? It's a case where the given governments, the given kingdoms, are not makbid, you know, on one another. So even though you have currency of a different kingdom here, it is considered to be usable. Now, it wasn't exactly clear to me what Eino Makpidos means. Does that mean that here in the United States people will accept French currency? Is that what it's saying? I mean, that would be a, an extreme case of Eino Makpidos. Does it mean that it's easy to somehow, because there's a lot of travel between the two places, because there's good relationships, it's easy to transfer one type of money to another type of money? You know, it's not exactly clear to me how Eino Makpidos solves the problem. Are we trying to claim that it is immediate usable here or it's easy enough to get it transferred that somehow it's still considered to be usable but one or the other that's the answer that's why it would work okay so then that would mean that when Shmuel says when there's a statement that you can't use the money unless you're heading to that location it must be a case where it is Makpid right because if it's not Makpid we seem to feel like it's good to use even here so the Gemara says so wait a minute so you're telling me if the governments are not Makpid then the currency is legit is definitely legitimate. Okay, if they are makbid, then you can't use it here, and it's maybe hard to transfer. Then it's not legitimate. But then how would it work? But if they're makbid and it's not legitimate, so if that's true, how would it work if you're even heading from you know the U.S. to France? If it's a case that they're makbid, let's say it's makbid, let's say it's Cuba before we lifted the whole embargo. Okay, so if it's a case of makbid, how are you uh, you know how are you going to get the money there even if you're heading there? Hey. It assumes that a scenario, again, it's not totally clear to me, but it assumes that a scenario of enomakpid means that the money is even here relatively usable or easy enough to transfer. And if it is makpid, not only can you not use it here, but that they will stop you at the border if you are trying to bring French currency into France. Okay, I don't exactly get that. Normally they stop you at the border if you're trying to bring, like, your currency out. But okay. So if they really are makpid, then even if you're heading to France, how how does that make it? Le- thank you. How does that make it legitimate, right? So, how, how does it make it good currency? They're going to stop you at the border, okay? Um, so the Gemara says, um, So the Gemara says, All right, you can get it to France with a little difficulty. It's a little bachashi. They don't search your. They don't do a border check. They don't ask you to open up your bags and search your bags. So you know, if you just keep quiet and act cool, you'll be able to get it past the border. The mishkichi kapti. But if they find that you have that currency on you, then, you know, they're going to make you not take it to France, but, you know, so you have to, I don't know if you just have to fill out those customs cards about how much currency you're bringing with you, but whatever it is, you can get it there. So, basically, the scenario is that if here it's relatively usable or transferable, then, of course, it's good, and that's the case of Meister Shaney. What's the discussion of can you pay back with this currency when it's really not usable here? It's a case of Machbid. You have to bring it to the other place, um, but you can bring it to the other place if you just act cool about it and um, and in that case um, um, if the, you know Rav Nachman explains Shmuel that if you're heading anyway to France then it is considered you know good currency and then you can pay back the loan to the person I mean if he's heading back to France you can pay it back with that type with that money with francs okay so now the Gemara says like this um, Tashma 
So we're still going to try to prove this one way or the other. So this is obviously the brightest talking from an Eretz Yisrael perspective. And it says, you cannot transfer Meiser Shani to Eretz Yisrael money if, uh, you know, you and the fruit are in Bavel. Now, number one, it's interesting that it deals with Meiser Shani in Bavel. Normally we assume that these things are only in Eretz Yisrael, but they did institute the Trumas and Maestros in the lands immediately sort of surrounding Eretz Yisrael, including Bavel. So you have the fruit in Bavel, or actually it doesn't matter where you have the fruit. is. The fruit could be anywhere. But whatever it is, you're in Bavel, maybe the fruit's even in Eretz Yisrael. You're in Bavel, and the money's in Bavel. And you cannot transfer Meister Shani to Babylonian currency. I'm sorry. To you're, you're in Bavel, the money's in Bavel, but the money is Eretz Yisrael money. Okay? So you cannot transfer Meister Shani to Eretz Yisrael money if you are in Bavel. The point is, and it's a little ironic, because you're going to be bringing the money to Eretz Yisrael. Right. right? But nevertheless, since it's not usable here, it's not considered money. Now, that's the real challenge to this statement in Shmuel, because that's a perfect case. It's a Franks. You're going to France, right? It's Shekel. You're going to Eretz Yisrael. You would think, what a better thing than to be considered money than to transfer it to Shekel if you're on your way to Eretz Yisrael. And it says, nevertheless, since it's not usable here, it's not considered legitimate cur- currency. You cannot transfer to money to, to, to Eretz Yisrael money if they're in Bavel. Or, if you're in Eretz Yisrael, you can't transfer to Babylonian money. Now, why in Eretz Yisrael you can't transfer to Babylonian money is obvious. You've got to use the money in Eretz Yisrael, and it's not usable where you are. It's Babylonian money. Okay? And here's the real irony, or whatever. If you're in Bavel, and the money is Babylonian money, you can. Which is, okay, good here, it's good currency, but what good is that going to do you as I bring it to show, we'll see in a minute. But the first, but our focus is the first statement. You can't transfer to Eretz Yisrael money that's in Bavel, even though you're, and the Gemara says, even though you're going to be bringing the money to Eretz Yisrael. So it seems very clear that if you're, that even if you're headed to that locale, it's not considered currency if it's not usable in the here and now. So the Gemara says, we're back to that. This is a case where the governments are mocked on one another so therefore you will not be allowed to bring your Eretz Yisrael money to Eretz Yisrael so that's why you can't do it because if you transfer to Shekel here and you try to bring the Shekel to Eretz Yisrael they're going to stop you at the border so the Gemara says one minute um, um, so the Gemara says one minute if that's true that okay I don't exactly get the if that's true but the point is fine so the only thing you're allowed to do is transfer to Babylonian money but oh here's the Ihachi. you're going to bring the Babylonian money to Eretz Yisrael right what good is it going to do you there it's Malchios Makpidos they're not going to let you use Babylonian money in Eretz Yisrael someone says no so you don't keep it on the Babylonian money you transfer your your Meister money to this Babylonian your Meister fruit to this Babylonian money then you use the Babylonian money to buy some donkeys or horses or whatever and then you bring those to Yerushalayim and then when you're near Yerushalayim then you transfer it to some other thing and you eat it there the funny thing is, Tosu says, you know, there's a lot of sources that say you're not allowed to transfer Meister Shani to animals. You can only transfer it to money and so on. So Tosu says, well, look, there's no other option here. Okay, the only way you're going to get the stuff to Eretz Yisrael is if you, the fruit is too much and that you Eretz Yisrael money won't work. Bavel money, well, Bavel money will work, but it won't be able to then be used in Eretz Yisrael. So this really becomes your only option. Okay. 
then you can switch it to something else. Yeah, yes. So, I mean, on the other possibility, by the way, is, because I said horses and donkeys, but you could also say that you're dealing with, like, sheep and cows, and then when you get it there to Israel, you slaughter them and eat them there. Yeah. Right. But, um... Seems to be contrary to the intent of what you're saying. Of, 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 of,
I forget what that Greek word is, but obviously some type of like, you know, your fame will be out in the world. Okay, so that this was the coin. The coins minted in the time of Avram had their image on it. Now, Tosos has a little bit of a problem with all of this. Anyway, no, I don't know what the word means. Anyway, he says, not that actually would have their image on it. You're not going to make a human form, which gets into all interesting question about what exactly is the Isser of making a human form, and is it what you know? Is it apply if it's not fully three dimensional? If it's not the full form, etc. That I don't know if that's exactly Abraham's fame. Is that a coin? I once I'd write Zakein and Zakein. Okay, okay. Okay. Obviously, a very fascinating question about what did, what are on the Bar Kokhba coins? There are images, aren't there? Yes, of yeah, but are they human images? I don't think there are human images. Picture, yeah, search on Google. Um, the symbols of Jerusalem, I think, around there. There's uh, yeah. like a Yeah. Right. And, right, right. I thought it like some, some type, Yeah. Anyway, so it's not a human image. So it raises very interesting questions about that. Okay. Um, the Gemara says about a certain person that was called, I forget, Chassid or Kadosh or whatever, because he never looked at the images on the coins. Okay. So, like, you know, so that whole question about coins and Avodah and images and so on, you know, raises interesting questions. I overpaid a lot. <laughs> 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 Maybe it was going to stealing them. <laughs> Wait, but Tosa doesn't have a problem with the David and Shlomo? Um, no, then he goes on. Oh, but you are right. Like, why did he start with that question of Avram? I think it was because of the moniton ba'olam suggests that it's his image. It's not just a word. It required, you know, it's, hard, it's a harder shot by Avraham based on that medrash that he quotes. The that yeah, I don't know, but obviously it's the same question could be asked by both. Yes. Right, right, right. Kosov. That's what Tosos quotes Rashi is saying. That right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That Tosos quotes Rashi. Yeah, Rashi says it. Okay. Moving back to the Gemara. Okay. So when what we were dealing with paying back currency that's no longer current here in current in, in circulation here, but it's still being used elsewhere. Now we have another question. I'm going to tell you. Okay. Um, 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 you borrow a thousand. You borrow a thousand shekel from me, okay? And the shekel was a whatever was a coin, a gram-sized coin of silver. And now, when it's time to pay back, it's now one point two grams of silver. Do you pay back a thousand shekel or not? Okay, you're giving me more silver than I gave you. Okay, those sifola they increase the size of the coin. Mahu, I'm alone. No Yeah, it's still that's still a shekel. And just because they now made it bigger, you're still going to pay me back with that, which really seems funny because it's one thing if it's not based on if it's not based on the you know the actual intrinsic value of the metal the Gemara is going to ask us but if it's really based on the intrinsic value even 
if now they added to it because there's been inflation, so this now 1.2 gram of coin could buy what the old 1 gram of coin could buy. Nevertheless, it's more silver. Okay, so the Gemara is going to get to that. But the first answer is yes, you pay back based on the current currency. Okay, so the Gemara says, Amalei, Vafilu Kibnafia, even if it's now as big as a sieve? Like, how? Like, really? Amalei, <laughs> in, yes! Amalei, Vafilu Kibnafia, even if it's as big as like some huge rock? Like, Amalei, <laughs> in, yes! You pay back with the current currency. So the Gemara says, Vahakazilin Peri, but one minute. The fruit now is a lot, relatively a lot cheaper. If it's a bigger coin, you get more bang for your buck. You get more fruit from the same coin. You're giving me back something of greater value. Amravashi Chazinan. Okay, wait, we have to assess the situation. If the reason they, the, the, you can get fruit cheaper is because there's now more silver in the coin or whatever the precious metal is, then you don't pay me back the same number of coins, okay? Because then actually the coin has more buying power and, uh, and therefore you have to, you, you don't pay me back with the same coins. The Machmas Tarazio, but as actually the reason that you can get more fruit is because the uh, fruit has now gone down in price, but the coin really has the same buying power as before, Roman can, then you don't. So even though it's a bigger coin, if it has the same buying power as before, you pay me back with it. So now finally the Gemara turns to asking the question about the fact that there's more precious metal in the coin. The Gemara says, but Nazca is like the raw metal. Okay, it's like a metal bar. Okay, wonderful. You're telling me that this shekel has the same buying power as the old shekel, but there's more silver in it. So isn't that still giving me back more than I gave you, which is a great question, right, about the abstract value of money when there's also, you know, intrinsic value to it. So on one hand, you're giving me, I gave you a thousand shekel, you're giving me back a thousand shekel, it's actually the same buying power. On the other hand, it's more silver. So what's the story? Abstract, right. and it's good. Be- because you could melt it down. It right. So the Gemara says, Ella, fine, you know what, maybe you're right. Kihadrav Papa of Rav Huna, Braid Rav Yeshua, the case of Rav Papa of Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yeshua, Abit Uvda Bezuze de Agardamis, Taya, they dealt a case with us, money that was lent out, and they went to this Agardamis, which at least Sancino translates as some type of a... Uh, of, 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 not a businessman, but some type of an overseer of like monetary issues. How do they translate it there? Uh, do they, what Argadim? It's not a name, apparently, it's a title. Argadim is the Arab. Oh, they translated it as a, as a name? Oh no, Sancino translated it as a title, like he was some type of a, uh, of like a, uh, you know, somebody in charge of currency. Anyway, but okay, a trader or something. Anyway, this Arab trader, this Arab who is knowledgeable in these issues, um, and he basically said, Adyud Vitamnaya. You're right, that basically, Basically, the coins have changed, and now eight new coins are worth ten old coins. So it seems like the Gemara is reversing itself. It seems like the Gemara is saying that if the coins actually do contain more precious metal, that you don't pay back based on the face value of them, even if they're all still called shekel, you pay back based on Wait. how much of the old co- the weight, how much of the new coins. You know what is their equi- what, what is the equivalent of the new coins in the old currency? Okay. So we don't really care about market prices and all that at all. Right. Well, that's always true. If I lend you a thousand and you pay me a thousand, we don't look at, oh, you know, 
it's not a thousand dollars and two thousand and ten dollars. It's a thousand dollars when you pay me back. Okay. So, but then the chiddush here is, is that even if they adjusted the currency so that maybe it would have the same buying power, you still look at the precious at the at, at the at the precious metal value of the currency. So I have a question for you. Let's say I really did say that you're paying back in two thousand ten dollars, but I didn't specify which way it can go. Like so suffer a loss um, or get the gain. Yeah, I don't know. That raises interesting ribbis questions. Yeah. yeah, that raises an interesting ribbis question. If you could say I want you to pay me back in value, you know, based on the uh, on the consumer price index or whatever, yeah. it's an interesting question. Yeah, how you could arrange that. All right, um, let's take a look. So says, now we switch gears back to Babakama topics and, and Babakama I mean this, you know but, that, but this is some of Babamasiya topics about coins and currency and whatever anyway but back not only to the end of Babakama but more to like the earlier part of Babakama to Mazik issues and this will be fun and this might remind you of some stuff we had earlier um, let's take a look um, um, I'm a rabbi I go and I take uh, Michael's uh, uh, silver dollar and I throw it into the Yamagado. It doesn't matter silver dollar, it's just case. Anyway, I throw it into the Mediterranean. Okay, Potter, I don't have to pay you anything. My timer. What's the reason? Come on, come on. Well, the money's right there. I mean, it's just going to just dive down. It's right there in the ocean. Okay? If you want, go take it. Now, that's only if the, if the water is clear. You can still see it. But if it's dirty, if it's cloudy water and you can't see it, no. Now, that's only if I basically knocked it out of Michael's hand and it flew out of his hand. Because then I'm a mazik. I'm not a goslin. So the question is, did I damage the money? Right? Did, is, did I destroy the money is it destroyed and if it's there on the bottom of the Mediterranean it's not destroyed we'll get back to that in a minute if I grabbed it out of Michael's hand and then I threw it into the Mediterranean then I stole it it doesn't matter whether it's there or not there my act of grabbing obligated me to reimburse you so either I have to dive down to the bottom of the Mediterranean and get it or I have to give you other money what happens afterwards is not your issue the act of Gazela obligates me okay I have to do restoration so the question is fine but as a mazik if I don't take it I knock it out of Michael's hands it's not considered damaged now really it's not damaged it's at the bottom of the Mediterranean just because you can see it so Toso says it's not really about being able to see it it's being about able to retrieve it like if it's retrievable you could hire somebody to go dive down and get it even though the cost of hiring that person would be more than the value of the coin because it's retrievable it's not considered to be destroyed okay now Toso says Actually, that would be true even if it wasn't visible. Even if it was cloudy water, if in theory it was retrievable. Now, I'm not so sure. I think that you might need both, right? You might need the fact that both it's visible. So if it's visible, it's still considered there. Look, you see it. It's still there. It's not like I've destroyed it. It's just hard to get to. And it has to be possible to get to. It would seem to me that if it's not visible and difficult to get to, it's not visible and and easy to get to. If I covered it up with a piece of paper, I didn't destroy it, okay? But if it's the combination of not visible and hard to get to, even if it's possible, it's me it would seem that that's enough to define it as if it's destroyed. Okay, but Tosla says it's irrelevant, really, if it's visible or not visible. The only issue is, is it in theory retrievable or not? Okay, but it's still a very strange idea, right? Like, imagine I knock something out of your hands, and, it, you know, it's an interesting question. I knock something out of your hands, it rolls down, it rolls into the gutter. You know, they have the drains in the middle of the street, and it's now at the bottom of the gutter. So we all know, like, in theory, you can go ahead and get it, right? Can you say, I'm not getting it, pay me for it. Or can I say to you, what do you mean pay 
you for it. Uh, I just, just go get it. Or can you say, okay, well, you've got to be the one to get it, right? So this gets back to the issue about Grumma bin Ezekiel. If we can concede that the object is not yet destroyed, even though now, because of what I've done, it's going to cost you time and money and effort to retrieve it, that's just indirect cause of loss. As long as I haven't destroyed the object, I still remain exempt. Very, very strange, okay? So let's keep on seeing as the Gemara is going to pile up these cases about all these bizarre cases of where you're going to be exempt, at least according to Rabbah, and then uh, there's going to be a little bit of a pushback. Yes? In the first case, was it intentional? Could have been. Well, if he picked it and threw it, then it would be Gvela. But he could have intentionally knocked it so it would fall. Right. Yeah, even if you're intentional, you know, Grama bin Ezekiel, which is crazy. So eventually there's going to be some pushback. Let's keep on going. Okay? Masif Rava. So Rava challenges. So we're back to this Meister Shani. You can't transfer Meister Shani money to money that you don't have in your, under your control. Ketzad. Let's say you have money in this faraway place called Kastara. Yeah, I don't know where these places are. Or your, your wallet's on the bottom of the sea. Okay. You can't say, oh, I'm transferring my Meister Shani to my wallet that's south of the bottom of the Mediterranean. Um, so you see that it's considered to, to, to not exist. Now, that's a very funny question because it's not really that it doesn't exist. It's in Kastara and you still can't do it. Does that mean that if I, if I, if I somehow without technically stealing it took your money and moved it to Kastara, I would be considered to have destroyed it? I mean, maybe. Okay, anyway, so the Gemara here thinks that it's like it doesn't exist. So the Gemara says, no, it's destroyed. Amarabah, no. That's not that it's destroyed. Shani liyin masa deminun matzo biyadcha. When it comes to Meiser, it's not enough that the money is considered around. It has to be considered accessible. Okay, found, accessible. How do you know that by Meiser? Drachmana amar vitzarta kesef biyadcha. Bind the money to your hand, which means the money you're using has to be as if it's directly in your hand. It has to be accessible. Okay, but it's still around, so you're not chayev as a mazik just because you did that. Okay, that's number one. Is it considered to be destroyed and damaged if it's at the bottom of the sea? Now we're going to get to another case. So why is that an, an example of it, it's, it's, it's not... It's a special Meister Shani requirement that doesn't exist elsewhere. By Meister Shani, it's not enough that you own the money and that it's around. You have to, it has to be accessible. Uh, so accessibility as a middle category right. between having it and it being destroyed right. is now being limited. It's interesting. It's a Meister Shani. Exactly. Wait, wait. Which is strange because accessibility should be like the general... Principle. Yeah, but the, the, he is right. The Torah emphasizes your access to the Meister Shani money. Yeah, well, but you can only redeem it on coins. You can only redeem Meister Shani on coins. Okay. So right now we're saying, let's say I borrow money from you and then it's a pay. So yeah, yeah, I have money... No, that's a separate question. That's separate. Whether you can repay, that's what we discussed earlier. You might have an obligation to restore me to the way I was because you borrowed that money. You know, what's considered legitimate paying back is a different question, but here it's a question of mazik. No, that's, uh, presumably that's not good. You have to actually give it to me. Okay, the Amarabah, but, I, but I, I'm not going to go into that. Amarabah, Hashaf Matbeya, now we're going to take it further. Okay, that was something that it's around, just not accessible. Now listen to this case. You go ahead and you flatten somebody's coin. You take 
take his coin and you basically smooth the, you know, the image, you flatten it, you rub it off, so it's no longer, I mean, it still has precious metal. You didn't remove any silver, you just flattened it. So you can't use it now as a coin. Now, it still has precious metal, but clearly, it's effective that it had been minted as a coin, increased its value from its pure precious metal value. Okay? So, you're exempt. My timer, I didn't do anything, it's still all there, I just rearranged the parts. Right? So I went and I took your, 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 your bronze Picasso statue, and I just like, you know, smashed it, but it's all there, I just rearranged the parts, I didn't do anything. Now, what you could say is, is that this is particularly about coins. The Gemara is not going to limit it to coins, but it actually would have made a lot of sense to limit it to coins, because we just saw that 90, I don't know what it is, I'm making up this number, but 95% of the value of coins is actually the precious metal at that time. The reason for minting it was really just as a way that everybody should immediately know that it genuinely had that amount of precious metal in it, right? So there you could say the value added by the fact that it was minted is more of an abstract value, and its real value is still fundamentally all there. So this is an idea that could have made more sense by coins, but the Gemara is not going to limit it to it. The Gemara is going to basically say that according to Rabbah, you are not a Mazik if you don't take away any of the physical object, even if you rearrange the object, okay? So, again, I assume like if you break a table into parts, you've taken it away by, you know, by, by removing one part from the next. But if you basically take some piece of metal and you completely rearrange it... holding it, it's still there. If I take your car and I bang it up, right? The whole car is still there. It's just got dents in it. I didn't take any piece of metal away. I'm not a Mazik. Okay? It's totally crazy. Okay? What? <laughs> so... Um, my time that's only if you hit it with a hammer the tarshane like smooth and you like flattened it if you sort of if you rubbed it with a like with a like you know with like type of a, of, of a uh, plane or something you know something that actually would remove some of the metal like a file then that's an act of mazik and then you have to pay for it so what's the definition of breaking something um, according to this it's actually you know somehow removal of some of the material, you know, you've 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 taken, you know, you've removed it. It's, it's crazy. I don't know why yeah, that's the definition. Take your baseball bat and I cut it in half. That's a mazik. Because no, because you removed one piece from the other. You don't actually remove the material from the world. Okay, you know, you just you just de- you, you, you detach the material. You got your Picasso. It's identical, and you you melted it down. Right. Well, how's that different than cutting the bat in half? Well, if by the process of melting it down, there the pieces have separated. But if you bang it and you flatten it, if I take if I go if I, it's all one piece. I go to your your Michelangelo painting and I paint over it. I, I didn't take any pieces. Away. I just added. You should be paying me. I added all this nice <laughs> red paint. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you. That was ignorant of me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I meant Rembrandt, obviously. Obviously. Okay. So the Gemara says like this. Um, okay. Um, uh, massive Rava. So Rava challenges, and he, again, you could have said he was just talking about coins, but from Rava. Question and the Gemara's answer, it understands that it abstracts this. He called Ain of Isma'as, you hit a slave on his eye and you blinded him. Al Ozno Bechir, show his ear and you made him deaf. Evid Yotab and Lechir, the slave would go free. Kinegid Ain of Ain of 
eh, if it was like he hit the wall, it was right next to his eye, and somehow the shock blinded him, or Kenegados Noveno Shomeo, near his ear, and he couldn't hear, ain't ever Joseph Ben Melchayus. He doesn't go free. Anyway, the point is, is that look, you hit his ear, you, you don't, you didn't take any part of his body away, and you're considering, now of course you could say, who knows, maybe that's a separate halacha than Mazik. Maybe a slave going free has its own parameters. But anyway, but he says, uh, presumably this idea, you have to take something away, is to define it as an act of Mazik, and that would apply even to this case of, a, of injuring a slave, so why does he go free? So the Gemara says, no. Rabbi Litaime, Rabbi goes according to his reasoning. If somebody made his father deaf by hitting him in the ear, Nerak, he's killed. Now the idea that if somebody smite, wounds his father, it's, um, it's, it's Chayv Misa, is only if it's a wound that makes right, blood, right. draws blood. So how by hitting him in the ear did you draw blood? below You can't make somebody deaf without causing some interior wound. It must be a drop of blood fell in the ear. There must have been some interior wound. Okay, so therefore, as once that's true, we're saying, oh, so making somebody deaf caused some interior wound. So that was the case of chasre. You took something away. Right? So that's why it's considered an act of mazik. Okay? But if you actually manage, again, I don't get it. If I went ahead and I broke somebody's finger, right, and I broke the bone, well, that's, I guess, I took something away. I separated one part of the bone from the other. But anyway, now we see the Gemara's not limiting this to coins. Whether it's mazik or chovel, you're only considered to have done an act of damage, not only if it's a direct act to the thing or the person, but if it actually takes something away, which is a very strange idea. Well, it takes one part of a bone away from the other part of the bone. What? No, but anytime you do something, you separate two parts and you haven't made it go disappear from the world. That was a baseball bat again. That would be a mazik. But if I, if I bang it up, that would not be mazik, right? Don't remove any paint. If in the act of banging it, some paint scraped off, then you'd be considered right, a mazik. Right, only removing it. Right. Because I painted over your painting. <laughs> I know. These, these ideas are like, this is like, what? Like, how we say, right? If you I, 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 in the street, you'd be alive for about four minutes. I have to tell you, I mean, look, in a minute we're going to talk about Garmi, you know, as a way of sort of covering this gap here. But I have to tell you, because it's this week's Barsha, I think I mentioned this yesterday, that, or on Shabbos, that the uh, Ran, the famous Russia of the Ran on this week's Barsha of Shoftim, he basically says that, uh, why does the Torah say to make a king? Because he says, if you try to, if you try to use the Torah law in real society, it won't work. Okay? <laughs> so he says, that these laws are all for some kind of abstract platonic type of reality, but they don't really work in real society. Well, I can show it to you. Anyway, so he says, you need the king, and the king is going to come, and he's going to make the laws that are actually going to fill all the gaps, and they're going to make these functional, and they're going to make you able to live in a society based, you know, based on these laws, which raises interesting questions. What's the point of it if they're not really able to succeed in the real world? But anyway, this would be a perfect example of that. Let's so keep on going. The Gemara, so you might be suggesting what the Gemara is doing is, is um, being very exacting to the point of absurdity in order to justify the need for a more nuanced category. It's <laughs> an interesting backwards way of thinking it. We're going to show how, how, how far these laws fall short in order to justify why we need something else. It hasn't even said, though, we need something else. Let's keep on going. Okay. The Gemara says like this. The um, Amar if you basically make pierce the ear of your friend's cow, putter, you're exempt. Even the, what, 
because that's in my years as an actor, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> okay, that was a podcast. <laughs> you can all figure out which podcast that is. Okay, anyway, I gotta stop my. Uh, I, I, I'm, I, I'm talking up on the anyway. Okay, so. Um, this made the animal have a wound and it is not fit to be drawn as a korban. Okay? So your potter, you're exempt. My timer, what's reason? The cow looks as good as before. Now, it doesn't mean that there was not some normal chavala because presumably p- poking a hole in the ear, you know, did cause something to come out. Okay? But it seems like the emphasis is the second part. Um, you didn't really do anything that would change its value. Okay? A cow with a pole in the ear, without a hole in the ear is the same value. The and not all oxen are used to be brought as sacrifices. The fact that you can't bring it as a sacrifice doesn't really change its value. Now, the question is, what is he really saying? It sounds like his point is the second part. It's not like he's just saying, oh, a hole in something. I mean, it is true. Sometimes you can make a hole in something without taking anything away because you're just like pushing the stuff to the side. I don't know if that works. Like when, when you make a, when you pierce a hole in the ear, does some flesh come out? No. It does, yes? No? little more focus here. Oh, you do get blood. Okay, fine. Okay, but some blood comes out. Something comes out. Okay, so it's not, doesn't seem like it was the previous case about you didn't wear machas or anything. It seems like it was a case of that it's, uh, you, you know, it's, uh, you didn't change the market value. But then what's he telling me? He's not telling me that it wasn't an act of mazik. He's telling me that you pay for the loss of value, but the loss of value is zero because uh, the market value doesn't change. I don't need him to tell me that. And maybe the market value does change. Even if most people don't bring oxen as a, cor- as a korban, maybe there's a $10 premium on unblemished oxen for people who do want to bring it as a korban. So it's not exactly clear what his chiddush is. It might be that his chiddush is, is that how do you define, you know, what's considered damage? Like, like you know, talk, going back to the car example, like in, like, you know, what happens when, like, you know, you're trying to back in or back out of a parking space and you make, like, a tiny little, you know, mark on this guy's car. So in theory, he could say, well, you got to pay me whatever, you know, 50 bucks, i got to take it to the mechanic he's got to paint it or whatever but in a certain type of a reality like even if things are changed a little bit we really look at that as that the object has been damaged right if I made a little scratch on something that really nobody cares about or pays attention to even you know would that be considered an act of having damaged it it might cost money to fix it but at what case when we don't look at that as though it's a different type of a thing as that it's been as it's been injured you know been damaged is it even defined so it seems to me that's more what he's saying not that look the market it is a mazik, but the market, but the cost is zero. It seems more in this type, you know, in an agricultural society, you, you don't look at a cow with a hole in the ear different than a cow without a hole in the ear, even though in theory, you know, it, it might, you know, for somebody interested in it as a core, but it might be worth a different amount. Jenna, yes. I feel like even better is when there's like someone who wants to take the odds and scratch and you look around the rest of the car and the scratch. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right, so my is it an act of mazik if, if in this society nobody pays attention to that? I mean, right. So you make paraduma there. Right. Uh, I go and so I paraduma would be different. Right. So right. I go put an O on it. It looks the same. You know, like, uh, oh, maybe you want to eat it. But now, but, but Brilliant. So that's the next case in the Gemara. Let's take a look. Yeah. Okay. So the Gemara says like this, which, which is funny why the Gemara brings this, because Rabbi specifically talked about normal cows that aren't being to be brought as sacrifices. Let's take a look. Um, so the Gemara says like this, Must be Rabbi. So Rabbi's making all these statements, and Rabbi keeps on pushing back. So Rava challenged. 
If you do work with water that was going to be used for the paraduma. Now, Tosa says, of course, this is different. If you're dealing in paraduma world, all of this is is going to be used for hectic purposes. So obviously it would be different. So Tosa says, so it's bizarre that he's even bringing these examples. So Tosa says, that's why we're talking about mechatas. The water is water before the ashes have been added. So water that you're intending to use for paraduma, it still doesn't have any status as such. So therefore he thinks it's like relevant that we shouldn't consider this to be a damage according to your logic. Or if you do malacha with your the cow, that's going to be a paraduma. It's, it has a chain of nicker. You can't see that it's been damaged. But obviously now the thing can't be used for that purpose. So you're exempt in, 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 in worldly court, but you're hive up in heaven. So the Gemara says, um, The reason you're exempt is because you only did malacha and it's not visible. But if you were to make a hole in the ear, the minter has zeka, that it would be visible. You would be chayv. Now the obvious answer is, yes, because it's a paras chatas. You know, it's not a normal cow. Of course that is. But so the answer is a strange answer that the Gemara doesn't draw that line and Tosos deals with, grapples with that. But Amri, the Gemara says, Who had din You know, even if you made a hole, you'd be exempt. Even malacha where it's not visible, you're still Again, very, very strange because you would think if you made a hole in the ear of a paraduma, you'd have to pay. That would clearly be mazik. So Tosus tries to emphasize that the discussion is more about the water where it's less obviously going to be used for that purpose. Okay, another crazy statement of Rabbah. The Amar Rabbah Hasorish Tarish Actually, this one is not as crazy as the others. Okay, Hasorish Tarish Chavero. Maybe I'm just too 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 like nerd to it to think it's not as crazy. Hasorish Tarish Chavero Pater. If you burn your friend's uh, uh, you know uh, documents, IOUs, loan documents, and now he can't collect the loan, you don't have to pay him anything, uh, even though he's now out all that money because he's gonna, not going to be able to they collect the money. The what? The Amar Leia yesterday the value of paper. I only just burnt paper. You want me to pay you for paper? I'll pay you for paper. The fact that you can't collect the loan, that the 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 thousand dollar document wasn't was wasn't a, an object worth a thousand dollars. The guy still owes you the money. The fact that I made it hard for you to collect, you know, that's not an intrinsic that, that that's not I didn't destroy the loan. Okay, so Maskiv La Rami By the way, apparently a lot of pogroms in the Middle Ages happened as excuses for them to go in and to burn all the loan documents. Yeah. You know, so yeah. So okay Maskif La Rami Barkhama Dummy, what's the case? If there are witnesses that know that the document said there, you know that my, that uh, that, uh, you know, that 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 David owed Michael a thousand dollars, and I burnt the document, so they're telling me I should be paying a thousand dollars because now he can't collect. So why can't he collect? They say that they know that he, they saw what's in the document. So let the witnesses write a new star. They saw what the document said. Okay, let them reproduce a replacement. And therefore, what? Therefore, what's your chiddush by saying that you're puzzled? Yeah, what's your chiddush by saying, buddy? Well, just get a replacement document. Need the legacy, and if no witnesses saw what was written in, and I mean, you demon, how? So then, even if I were liable to you, how much do we know was written in it that I should be have to pay? So that's a good question. So I'm a rava. Rava said, "Tevimamino." No, it could still be a case where basically I burnt Michael's documents, and I say, Michael, I will pay you what I will trust you what the, what was in those documents, and I will pay you whatever the court says I have to pay for having destroyed them. And so even though I'm prepared to believe Michael what was written in the documents, I still don't, and he says, as it said, that David owed me a thousand dollars, I still don't have to pay because I only destroyed, well, we, not, we haven't even said Bidine Shemayim. Okay, because so that's just seen as like Grumma Ben 
Tzadikin. It doesn't have any intrinsic value. Now, I do have to say, what I don't understand about this is, like, I guess it's the whole question about what intrinsic value means. But, like, why it isn't seen as a type of a kli? Like, why don't you look at this document as a type of an instrument that allows for the collection of a loan? Right? I mean, is something only intrinsic if it works in terms of, like, its physical properties? Like, if I have, like, uh, I don't know, you know, I have some type of a pass that lets me get in free to movies, okay? And you go ahead and you burn, destroy. We'll say, well, it had no intrinsic value. I mean, you know, it wasn't like you could use physically the piece of paper to do something, right? I mean, why is that not just like an object that actually serves a function, right? Is it because it's a function based on the conventions of society and not a function based on the physical world that makes it not having intrinsic value? You know, I don't exactly it's get why it's... It's not even, it's not even that it, it's, it's functional in other realms as well. You can't, like, function its functionality in the, in the temple, like in the cult. It doesn't matter at all either. Right. It's just even, it's material. It's just... Right, that's what I'm saying. It has to be like it somehow has some. It physically can be used, right? I don't know if it even can be used. Why is it even? I, I don't understand. Why does a piece of art have intrinsic value? The value of a piece of art has to is aesthetic. Why is that not? Why is that? The piece of artwork is the exact same thing as the voucher to get into the concert. Yeah. Just, right. That's that like culture. But presumably, if I destroy a piece of art, I have to pay for its market value. Is the difference? Maybe the difference that doesn't have a market value that I can't sell this IOU on the open market it's yes like yeah Like it's 
it's my korban, my property. Okay, even though it really is hektish, it makes it like it's mine because its loss causes me the replacement value. So Rabbi Shimon who says you have to pay in all these cases because basically you cause the person a loss of money. So you basically the Gemara sort of seeing that that idea is sort of like grama. You have to pay somebody for their loss. Um, the rabbis were not concerned because of the cause, causing loss. Lo mechayev, you don't have to. Now, the Gemara is going to say, say they're not exactly the same. Maskiv le Ravuna braid Rav Yoshua. Ravuna challenges. When the Rav Shimon say that if it causes a loss, it's treated like money. Something that started off as being of real money, meaning you had a cow that was worth money, you sanctified it. And the real question here is not, did you destroy an object of value, which you did. The question is sort of like, who owns it? Is it considered to have you know, to have value? Is it considered to be your cow? Okay, so because it's going to cause you a loss of money, you're seen as the owner and that's seen as the value. Okay? But that's very different than when you didn't do an act of damage. Okay? And the, and the whole loss was indirect loss. Okay? So that's Ikaro Mamon. To the Rabba, like Rabba says, I'm a Rabba. You still Chometz before Pesach and somebody burned it during Pesach or Rashi says on the 14th when everybody's supposed to be burning their Pesach their, their Chometz uh, Pater you don't have I stole Chometz here from David okay Jenna came and she burnt the Chometz now I could say Jenna you've got to pay me because I could have given that Chometz back to David and been exempt from my from my obligation to it but no she, she burnt it on Pesach everybody's supposed to be burning their, or before Pesach everybody's supposed to be burning it she didn't do anything wrong that's when everybody's supposed to be burning it now let's say I stole it held it till after Pesach. Now it's worthless. It's chametz shavalav Pesach, but it's worth something to me because I can return it to David and say That's our Mishnah. Since there's no physical change in it, I say here's the chametz back that I stole. Even though it's worthless now, I am free now from my obligation from having stolen it. So to everybody else, it's worthless. To me, it's worth money because I can use it to get off of my obligation. And in that case, okay, and Zena came and she burnt it. What's your obligation? To pay him for the thousand dollars of chametz that I took on the Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Uh, I stole Mishas Right. Okay, so then Jenna came and then she destroyed this. So in this case, Machlokas Reb Shimon Rabbanan. That's the debate of Reb Shimon Rabbanan. Reb Shimon Damar Davar Gamlamamon Dami. Since it's loss of this Chametz is going to cause me a loss of money. Chayev. You're Chayev. It's like it has value because to me it has value and I'm considered the owner and therefore you have to pay me. Rabbanan Dami Davar Gamlamamon but for the Rabbanan don't give that weight that's going to cause me loss Potter because it's worthless okay that's true because we're dealing with something a real physical object that had initial value that was actually destroyed and the only use of this idea of Zavar Gamal is to say because it, its value to me defines what its value is and I'm considered to be the owner and that defines its value but that's when it was an object that had real intrinsic value that was a real act of mazik okay the Darash any Karamaman something that intrinsically isn't an object of value like this case of the star, for example, Niamina, who said we would say it? That, that's just a grumma than a Zikin case. So you got a double gumlamamon is when something's market value is zero, but subjective value is high. Okay? Or it could also be even when I'm not technically considered the owner. Like the Gemara is a case that I was a showman, it became a Sharanifkal, and I'm not the owner, but because I could return it to the owner, my subjective loss makes me like the owner.
owner. So that's to give a dollar value to it and to make me like the owner. That's the Vargam Lamama. But if something doesn't have an, any intrinsic value, it's a star, it's only an abstract loss, it's an indirect causation, my coin is at the bottom of the sea, okay, that's a case of Grama Benazikin. That's not the Vargam Lamama. And that you cannot say would be high of. But the but but you didn't weren't mazik it. You caused me indirect loss. That's exactly the point. If the issue is not it is not oh the the object doesn't have value. Technically, you're not the owner. The issue is I didn't do an act of mazik. I just caused you indirect loss. That's not relevant to the debate of Reb Shimon and the Rabbana. Okay, so let's finish this point up. So Amar Meimar. So now the Gemara is going to try to fill the gap. Man didan dini de ah. But the one, Rabbi Meir, who we know does the laws of Garmi. Now, there's a big machlok as we've shown him what exactly Garmi is. Is it a knas? Is it a takana? But clearly for many, it's coming to fill exactly this hole. It's coming to say there's all these cases of grama you could technically get out of. The ones you shouldn't be getting out of we're going to call Garmi. The Ramban wrote a whole kuntus to Garmi, like a big treatise on trying to figure out what the parameters are. And it might not have clearly defined parameters, but the bottom line is its function is to fill the gap and to say that all these Grumma Benazikans you're exempt from, the ones we decide you should be paying for, we're calling them Garmi and you have to pay for. Okay. Collects the full value of the star. Now, I don't know what that means. Does that mean the face value of the star, the $1,000? Because even a star that's worth a th- that's for a $1,000 alone might not be worth $1,000. You don't know you're going to be able to collect it or not. Maybe it means the mar- you know what I could sell it for. Um, and the one who does not judge Garmi, Magbi you just get paid for the piece of paper. And now the Gemara ends with a story. There was a case. Apparently, Ravashi just burnt a star, and Rafra made him pay. Made him pay, like, you know, would you would use in a constructor, like, you know, the full value of it. Okay? So here you see a case of Garmias coming to fill the gap. Before we end, I want to say, Rashi is bothered, which is what is Ravashi doing burning people's staros? Right? <laughs> So Rashi said, Rashi says he makes this up. But Rashi says Rav Ashi did it when he was a kid, and that's how we can explain why he did it. And there, Rav made him pay. So this leads to a great discussion in the Rishonim. If you damage something as a kid, do you have to pay for it as an adult? Okay, because why is Rav making him pay if he did it? As, this is all because of Rashi said this. Okay, and maybe you're Maybe there's some moral obligation if you did it as a kid. So that gets read in to this Rashi's read here because he doesn't want Rav, Rav Ashi to be burning people's staros. Okay, but the bigger point here is that Garmi becomes a category where there's a major debate to be shown him, but its function is to close this gap for when Grumma, the laws of Grumma would mean that you would be exempt. What does Galva mean 